This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're listening to Inside Story with Lee Tree Lin and Shamla Ganesan. Tonight, we kick off a series on the various coalition manifestos. So we're starting with how they plan to address transport and urban policies, especially in light of the LRT shutdown. First, we'll speak to an analyst who's done the manifesto comparisons. And then later, how do public transportation kerfuffles affect us all? So tell us, are transportation issues a big deal for you this GE? How has the recent LRT shutdowns affected that? Call 7733 send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and um, I suppose the groundwork for this rests in the fact that we finally have the manifestos from the three major coalitions, Pakatan Harapan, Barisan National and Paikatan National. And as you would expect, they cover a, a fair amount of not exactly the same ground, but similar themes, because of course, they're meant to kind of get at the heart of what it is that people want. And so among the issues of cost of living, of economic recovery, of health and education, there is also the issue of transportation. Now, I think it's fair to say that it's not evenly distributed. Not every manifesto looked at it in equal depth, but we did think that it was a good time to actually examine what was covered, particularly in light of the fact that um, as we have by now been banging on about for an hour, there have been really massive failures in the public transportation system recently. So I will say, first off, it is at least heartening that all three coalitions are taking this on as an issue to platform. But that's really a very low bar to cross. I was going to say. I I, I mean, I feel like I should be be give some credit where it's due. But it, the devil is really in the details, right? Because there have been analyses of the various manifestos um, on a number of topics. And you see criticisms like, well, this is pretty much just three bullet points or that's not really saying as much as it should. Uh, but for what it's worth, if we look at what they uh, bring up when it comes to transport, and, and this is just a taster because we're actually going to have um, Azif Azuddin join us shortly, and he's done a thorough comparison of the three manifestos. But Pakatan Harapan um, had a variety of things that they're focusing on to do with uh, accessibility for people of different social and financial backgrounds. Meanwhile, Barisan National um, was talking a lot about increasing public transport access um, and about um, being environmentally friendly as well, namely that by 2030, 100% of our public transport um, and our vehicles will be environmentally friendly. Uh, quite a quite a high ask there. Um, and then in Perikata National, meanwhile, their concern was more about the B40 who are in rural areas and providing public transport for them. So that's sort of the variety of issues that are being brought up, um, which again, I will say, from a neutral standpoint, all of them quite important to talk about. The other thing, right, when it comes to public transport is that they're very lived, they're very 
based and grounded in lived experience. In other words, if you look at the manifestos and what they're suggesting, um, I think people will end up having very strong feelings about whether or not they are A, the most important, the most important thing to address at this moment in time, and B, whether they are in fact the most actionable. Because unlike... Unlike other situations, say the economy, uh, which can seem a little bit more nebulous, uh, the plans emerge through programs and budgets, which then get filtered down towards, say, job creation. Um, when it comes to public transport, and if you say, mm, for instance, we're going to make sure that stations are accessible, that is something that someone walking into the station every day, being faced with a broken down lift, being faced with an uh, an escalator that isn't moving, will be able to say, are you sure? I mean, yeah, and, and this is important, but are you sure? And so it is, I think, interesting to see how people respond to the issue of transportation. So we are going to be shortly joined by Azif Azudin, uh, an independent urban mobility researcher. But Again, today the focus really is on the manifestos and what they promise when it comes to transportation. Let us know, are transportation issues a big deal for you, this GE? And how has the recent LRT situation, mess, all of it, affected that? Uh, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. It is 6.13 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Today we are starting off um, a, a planned series on comparing the various manifestos from the coalitions. We're starting off today by looking at the specific aspect of transport and urban policies. And this is because, um, I mean, we don't really need a reason to do it. It's important. But also, especially because of the recent LRT shutdown. So we're asking you, are transportation issues a big deal for you, this GE? And how has the recent LRT shutdowns affected that? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now, uh, we have Azif Azudin, an independent urban mobility researcher. Azif, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, did the manifestos give a lot of focus to the issue of transport? I would say they touched upon it. That's me being very generous. Uh, they touched upon it. Um, but Pakatan, I would say, Pakatan Harapan's manifesto went quite comprehensively with it. I'm pleased with that. Uh, but I can't say the same for Parisan or Perikatan's, which gave kind of like a very cursory, uh, a cursory look over transport more like checking boxes as opposed to actually thinking about it seriously as an election manifesto. So broadly then, how did their transport policies compare to one another? What did each coalition promise? Right, so I think we'll just go through the laundry list here. Uh, so the Pakatan Harapan uh, manifesto, when it comes to transportation, they focus quite a bit on uh, a lot actually on urban transportation and you can see this reflected a lot in how they want to increase public transport access so you have one section that talks about increasing 10,000 buses across Malaysia with 7,000 in Klang Valley right uh, they also talk about increase uh, they also talk about making sure that urban areas have 80% of bus stops and all stations are within 10 minutes walk. Now, that's an indication that pa Pakatan knows where their voter base are and they're really focusing on urban areas. Um, and because it's Klang Valley, 
because they mentioned trains, this is a reference clearly to Colon Valley in that sense. Then you also see things like first mile, last mile, right? They want to uh, loosen up regulations and legislations for micro-mobility operators to, to start using. Because as we remember, earlier this year, micro-mobility operators were basically given a blanket ban, right? For safety reasons under the previous uh, government. Um, but then you also have things like payment accessibility, things like allowing people to use um, e-wallets, bank cards in order to pay uh, for their transport fares. Now, this is something that you typically see happening in other countries around the world, London, for example, even in Singapore. Uh, but the fact that this is kind of, the fact is, I think, just to give a summary of Pakatans, a lot of it really is focused on the Klang Valley, and you can see that reflected a lot in, as well as how popular uh, Pakatan is among the photo base in Malaysia as well, right? Mostly in the Klang Valley uh, Penang and so on and so forth. Now, if you look at Barisan, Barisan's, I'm sorry to say, very scant, right? They they give, uh, in, but it's also very telling of what Barisan's priorities are. Uh, because if you see the manifesto overall, a lot of it focuses on B40 social protections. Very little is given space to anything else, uh, right? But so when you look at what they have to say about transportation, they only talk about increasing and modernizing the railway network to connect major cities across the country. And that's a mega project sort of uh, logic, if you think about it, which is very BN, if you think about it in, in, that, in that perspective, right? Uh, and environment, uh, they're the only ones actually talk about environment, which I find very interesting. But then there's also a flip side to that, right? They're talking about, you know, making sure that 100% of public transportation services and vehicles are environmental friendly of 2020. So now you're also talking about purchasing vehicles which are EV friendly. Um, and that's also, in some ways, a lot of money involved. So, I mean, the end logic is there, which is pouring money into capex, uh, pouring money into capital expenditure, into acquiring new assets, into building new things, uh, which has always been a very Barisan, uh, Barisan culture, I would say. And finally, we have Perikata National, which I was, which on paper looks like they did a bit more than Barisan. Uh, but if you look into the details or try to ascertain the details, it becomes quite disappointing because then you see uh, things like, um, yeah, they give a very blanket statement on, oh, we want to increase access of um, uh, to public goods or public-based infrastructure, right? Or they want to improve public transportation system. Uh, they want to improve it in rural areas. They want to improve it nationwide. There's no specificity as to how they think about this plan compared to Pakata, right? And I think what makes it even more disappointing, I guess, for Pakata National is that they actually have a section when talking about transportation they're very keen on developing highways as well, right? So they're talking about using gantryless tools and increasing lanes in critical areas, wherever that may be, uh, as well as speeding up the development of the Pan Borneo Highway, Central Spine Road, East Coast Expressway. All of these are regional highways. They're not really kind of valley based but it's also very telling as to who Puryakatan is reaching out for. And a lot of it is really not Klang Valley based. A lot of it is really in areas where they feel like development can be is needed, where they can win over bases. Because you have what? The East Coast Expressway, we have Central Spine Road, which is all East Coast areas, Pahang, Trunganu. Uh, and then, of course, you have the Pan Borneo, which is in East Malaysia. So, yes, I mean, so if you look at overall, the, the sort of focuses, the sort of transport policy focus that is given in each manifesto is very telling as to the development culture of each coalition, as well as who they think their voter base is strongest. So considering the, the different focuses and targets and um, assumed demographics, right, that we're, we're thinking the coalitions are reaching out to, from your point of view, if you'll pardon the pun, who's offering the best ride here? 
it really depends where you're from. It really depends what type of voter you are, where you're based as well. So if I'm somewhere from the East Coast, I don't need railway developments um, to be beefed up. I don't need first mile, last mile. If I'm from Borneo, sorry, if I'm from East Malaysia, I don't need those sort of things, right? I just need to pan Borneo Highway to make sure I can get from different cities, different townships to one another. But if I'm living in the Klang Valley, if I'm living in Penang, then Pakistan's, for example, Pakistan's policies become relevant to me because I want an comprehensive first mile, last mile access. I want working trains. I want buses that run on time. So yes, I, I can't exactly answer who gave the best manifestos because it all depends on where and who you are as a voter as well. Ah, so transport obviously is something that is close to your heart. In general, is it something that voters care about? Right, yeah. Uh, I would say so. I, I would say so. I mean, I think it's very easy to assume that transportation is a very urban issue because especially when we talk about rail, and I think we'll get to that a bit later, but I wouldn't say that voters don't care about it. Because again, right, it depends on the region you're in. Because depending on different regions, there are also very different transport priorities. For example, you're in the East Coast or you're living in Malacca or Negeri Milan, the northern states like Qatar, for example. These In these areas, you rely on inter-town buses, right? You rely on buses to go between towns for work, uh, to do your groceries, to meet people. Uh, so access between these towns via buses are very important, right? You see Mara Liner, for example, all around in Malacca. These are shuttling people between towns, between neighbourhoods. However, if I'm in the Klang Valley or Penang or even Johor, access between neighbourhoods, towns, and or even countries, so if you're talking about Johor, crossing over the border into Singapore, transportation becomes very important to me in a very different way, where I need it, I rely on it because it is the most cost-effective way to get around town, to get around places for work. And if I don't have it, then my livelihood may be at stake. So yeah, I mean... It really depends on the region that uh, you're talking to, the region that you're looking into, uh, as well as what transport needs are in these areas, which is why I always advocate uh, for the fact that we need a regional transport authority because every different every region has different transportation needs. Uh, so yeah, transportation is important to voters. It's what differs is actually where you're from and what needs are for you. So this is something we were talking about earlier, whether or not the uh, massive LRT shutdown is something that is really only going to have reverberations within the Klang Valley setting, right? Um, how do you think this sentiment around transportation has been affected by the LRT situation, if at all? Uh, yeah, so basically the Klang the line is one of Klang Valley's busiest. Uh, it's one of Klang Valley's firsts as well. So you can see how much it's affected people based on the public uproar, right? I mean, seven days of not being able to access the line's business stations, if you're talking about Klanajaya all the way to Ampang Park, that's affecting a lot of people who go into the city for work, people who live in this suburban area of uh, the Subang area, the Klanajaya areas, PJ areas, essentially, right? So yeah, I think when it comes to the Klang Valley, at least for the Klang Valley constituency, um, the LRT is a big deal. And it not working, certainly, you know, it will affect uh, sentiments for people with regards to transportation. Even if you don't care about transport, uh, or if you're not a transport geek, the fact that if you can't get on the train to go to work affects affects your productivity. It affects employees as well, right? Um, so yeah, I would say that it is important. At least in in the at least in the Klang Valley context, the LRT is kind of like the backbone of Malaysia, the backbone of productivity in this part of town. 
So let's break down some of the individual things that the various coalitions are offering, right? So Pakatan Harapan is proposing free public transport rides for senior citizens. Uh, meanwhile, Perikatan National is offering free bus services for B40 children. These are two very different types of initiatives for different groups of people. Which do you think might have more appeal with, with voters? Mm. Right. It depends on where you're offering it, right? Uh, so we need to keep in mind that Parikata National's one is free school buses for B40s, right? The, the keyword here being school buses uh, for also for B40 children, which means you have a very specific group of uh, of individuals, of communities that you're targeting, which of course, they're not even a voting age, right? Uh, if you're talking about school children. So then you're thinking about targeting perhaps parents who may find these sort of services useful. So that's a, it's a very specific case use. On the other hand, if you look if you look at Pakatan Harapan's one, right, which is free public transportation rights for senior citizens, that's essentially a concession ticket for senior citizens without conditions, right? So there's a broader pool of individuals, voting individuals, by the way, you can benefit from Pakatan's because, well, you can go around with it, you can go around anywhere with it, no conditions whatsoever, compared to Pakatan's, which is very much aimed at school children and for schools. Uh, so yeah, I would say it really depends uh, who you're talking to or, or who this benefits more. And for me, what's more interesting, because Prikatan didn't really specify their transportation plan beyond this one, this one was their most specific one, it, it'll be telling to see how they plan to kind of categorize or at least identify B40 families, as well as which areas deserve these free buses. So let's talk about access and accessibility because increasing public transport access was something that all three manifestos touched on. Um, and then there's also the subject of accessibility, particularly for disabilities. Uh, what did the manifestos contain here? Right. So when we're talking about accessibility. Um, I would say that Pakatan Harapan's one is the most comprehensive because you can see they talk about increasing accessibility for persons with disabilities right, in public transportation, in public goods as well. And what I find most interesting is that it, they are giving a commitment to ensure that development projects adhere to universal standard, design standards. And if for, for listeners who are not entirely sure what universal design standards means, what it means is that it's an urban design uh, standard in which it is accessible to everyone, not just persons with disabilities, but to the elderly, but to children. Uh, this essentially means making pedestrian walkways usable for everyone, right? As a, At a height which is usable, for example, or maybe a, a, a length of the pedestrian walkway which is safe to use and not just for people who can walk, right? So, or even the length or even how, say, lifts in public transport, uh, train stations, even lifts, how are they designed? Is it is it narrow? Is it wide? Can it fit a wheelchair? Uh, so these are one of the things I think I find really interesting in terms of accessibility. Uh, when it comes to Pakatan Harapans. Um, not only that, I think there's also an issue, uh, if you're talking about urban design or urban planning, a little bit more broadly, as we talked about earlier, uh, Pakatan is committed to kind of making sure that 80% of urban areas have bus stops and train stations have in 10-minute walk, right? There's no specificity there in mentioning that they want to improve the urban fabric to make it more accessible, but the idea that they want to make public transport more accessible to everyone by at least ensuring that bus stops are everywhere, that train stations are within a reachable amount of time, means that at least there's some thought given to it. Barisan, unfortunately, didn't mention any of that in their manifesto. And Prikatan gave a very basic 
very broad mention of increasing access to public goods and basic infrastructure. And even that, they're focusing on suburban and rural areas, not urban areas. We just have about a minute left. Um, how are the manifestos uh, balancing, um, or rather, actually, what other measures would you like to see platformed in the manifestos? All right. Um, so this is what I, I mentioned this in the show. I mentioned it in the Monoran show earlier, right? Is that the one thing which I wished was more thought was given to really was the aspect of um, urban planning and urban design. And I mean that in the sense how when all these different political coalitions look at public transport, they look at they look at it as a very isolated single issue as opposed to considering that public transport is actually part of a larger ecosystem, right? I mean, if you're talking about accessibility, how do you get to your bus stops? How do you get to your train stations? You have to make streets more safe to use. You have to make it more accessible. Like lighting, for example, uh, the experience of walking to your train station, the experience of walking from place to place. And I feel like even though it's been addressed a little bit in the persons with disabilities section, in making it more accessible for, for that community, I feel like it's missing, right? Nobody's given thought of how this fits into the larger ecosystem. So yeah, I just wish that uh, a lot more thought was given to public, uh, sorry, was a lot more thought is given to urban design and urban planning and how that fits in, not only for public transport, but basically how we make our cities, how we make our neighborhoods, how we make our towns more livable, more safer, more, I mean, if you want to use a very trendy term now, make it more resilient. Azif, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Azif Azuddin, an independent urban mobility researcher, comparing the manifestos and particularly what they had to offer in terms of transport. Let us know, are transportation issues a big deal for you, this GE? How has the recent LRT shutdowns affected that? Uh, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM. 89.9. It is 6.39 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Our focus today is on the, the manifestos that have now been released by the various parties. We're going to be breaking it down segment by segment or uh, element by element over the next few days. So uh, we're going to be talking about the environment, about education, the economy. But today, because of the LRT, we thought we would start with transportation. So we're asking you, are transportation issues a big deal for you this GE? How have the recent LRT shutdowns affected that? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, and by the way, if you missed our interview earlier, you can check out our podcast after. And the reason why I'm bringing that up now is because um, earlier we spoke with Azif Azuddin, who actually did that kind of block-by-block block comparison. So if you haven't done it yourself, um, I think checking that out might be helpful. Anyway, uh, we do have some messages and voice notes. Let's start with a message. So let's see. We have um, actually this is a, this is a good one. Uh, Vincent says public transport is bad because it doesn't win votes. Malaysia Malaysians prioritize number one cheap petrol, number two cheap cars, number three abolishing tolls, and then dot 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 number ten public transport. Perhaps if public transport was a true Malaysian priority. We would have had LRT, BRT lines in Penang, JB, Kuching, HSR, Pan-Malaysian train line, and a couple more MRT lines in KL. 
Well, I would before I respond to that, Vincent, because I think that's those are really good points. Um, Simon says no concern, and and I think that these two are related, right? In the sense that. Well, actually, Simon, if you want to get back in touch and say why no concern, I'd love to know. I, I was wondering whether it's just because you're a you're a car driver, um, and therefore, and you're happy with the roads. Although every time we talk about Malaysian roads, nobody <laughs> seems to be. So there is that. But back to your point, Vincent. Um, you know, it's so true. When you listed number one, two, and three as being cheap petrol, cheap cars, and abolishing tolls, it's true. That really is what a car-centric society, which we totally are, uh, tends to look at and say, yeah, what about this? What about that? Um, and I think that a point that Azif raised a little bit earlier, which was about the difficulty of having a unifying banner for public transportation, is also a very important element to consider. Because the thing is, we don't all want the same things when it comes to public transport. Sure, we want to get from point A to point B in the you know fastest and preferably cheapest way possible. But where the point A and B, where those points are, um, whether we care about the environment, uh, whether it is about saving money, you know, all these things differ so greatly. I also think a little bit of uh, while I actually agree with your point, Vincent. I think where it gets complicated is. It is a little bit of a chicken and egg, right? Because which should come first? If the government was better with improving our public transport, would these then cease to be our main concerns? You know, because people are concerned about petrol and cheaper cars and paying tolls because there's very little other option for most other people. Um, and then not just public transport, right? Are our cities walkable? Um, are connect is the last mile connectivity there? And if the government were to put all of these things in place, maybe public transport wouldn't be number 10 on that list. We do also have voice notes that have come in. Um, let's start with this from Ellie. To me, public transportation issues have always been important and it's upsetting to see how rapid KL became progressively worse since 2021. I think like, oh, you know, we're told to buy a car when one of the main reasons we take public transport is to avoid um, high traffic on the road. And, you know, it saves time and money and stuff. And, like, not everyone is fortunate enough to own a private vehicle, you know, and the fact that we have to offset the rising living costs, um, low wages, long working hours. We're literally being robbed of our time and money, you know. And we shouldn't be begging for a good basic infrastructure. It's, it's supposed to be a right for everybody. And that's why I think this GE is super important and action needs to be taken now. Ali, uh, thank you so much for that voice note. We're being robbed of our time. I, I think I, I wanted to reiterate that point because mm. it, it's it's an interesting one and one that came up yesterday in our discussion about the LRT as well because it is true when, when you think about the amount of time and while our focus is on public transport, we can also, I think, while talking about transportation, talk about roads and talk about traffic and talk about the quality of roads and the fact that you pay toll just to sit in a jam anyway. And so, you know, all of that is absolutely a robbing of time. 
Well, Munif says, through the decades of our independence, we've been bombarded by manifestos, each and every one of them containing public transport as an item to address. And yet here I am, stuck in traffic while the LRT is out for a week. No prizes for guessing if I still buy into manifestos from these gestures. Jesters. There have been jesters, there have been clowns. Uh, what other words have people been using to describe the parties? It's It's been a fair number. Some un- Unmentionable ones as well. A lot of unmentionable ones. Yeah. Um, you know, this this point, you know, Munif, I wonder whether um, we, when I, when I say we, um, I mean the media are partly to blame because earlier Asif actually said that some of the manifestos mention it in, in greater detail. For others, it's just a mention. Um, but maybe because we care about it and because um, you might care more about about urban planning in your industry and in your job. And so it's something that you think of. Um, I wonder actually whether each of the manifestos, um, and I can't remember off the top of my, my head, have actually placed that great a priority on public transport because as we heard earlier from Vincent, it's not necessarily something that wins votes. Yeah, I know. I was actually wondering the same thing. And I can't pretend that I remember anything beyond maybe the last couple of manifestos. Um, so I'm not sure how much of an emphasis public transport has had in them. Um, actually, uh, a number of people are making the point that the signals that sent out by the government in terms of what the priority is, is in fact being more car-centric than it is about being public transport dependent. So MZ, for instance, says, during the MCO, a certain party decided to give massive discounts to purchase private vehicles without considering whether our roads can sustain the increase. Now we're paying for it with crazy traffic jams during rush hour. I know who I'll not vote for. Fauzi, meanwhile, says, we are becoming a car-centric society because our public transportation is awful. So difficult to go from point A to point B. Yeah, um, I I think that those are excellent points and and very much related. Uh, Keep those thoughts coming. That number to call is 7733-2900. You can also send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for more of your thoughts after this. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. It is 6.47 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Uh, we are going to be spending the next couple of days looking at the various components of the coalition manifestos and comparing them, basically, seeing how they each stack up. And today we're starting with transportation because why not in the midst of being right here in the Klang Valley and seeing a major public transport artery shut down, um, or at least almost half of it being shut down, seemed like a good time. Uh, So we want to hear from you. Are transportation issues a big deal for you, this GE? How have the recent LRT shutdowns affected that? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note and WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have uh, some other voice notes that have come in. Let's start with this one from Bing. Yeah, you can split it into two, urban and uh, rural transportation. And for rural, it's all about connectivity between different towns and also within a smaller town's uh, connection uh, within a a smaller area. I think that one is a much easier thing to maneuver. But if you look into the context of urban transportation, then you have to really consider breaking it down into smaller pieces or more. 
because of budgetary reasons. As it is right now, I think we have sufficient train transportations around and also buses, bus routes. But the thing is about accessibility. Think about walkability. If you are at the Pusat uh, Damansara, Pusat Bandar Damansara MRT stop, can you walk all the way to the Samantan stop? Think about that. It's totally unwalkable, right? It's a simple thing like this needs to be addressed because there's no proper five-foot path. Uh, there's no pedestrian walks as well as uh, there is no uh, proper shade, I think. So think about that. And think about, you know, even motorcycles going on pedestrian lanes. There's no walkability in Kuala Lumpur context. And it's going to be the same kind of behaviour if Johor Bahru was to put one, uh, Penang was to put one as well. You know, why not create a walkable KL? Right, say between Medan Pasa to Puduraya, you know, make it a pedestrian walkway and you don't need any public transport to cut across there. Uh, services will only be allowed in this area at a certain time of the day. Uh, yeah, it, perhaps it can resolve your transportation issues since we are, you know, always lack of resources in funding. A quick fix and also a quick fix for the environmental concerns. Bing, thank you so much for that voice note. Um, I I think that setting it in the context of it being an urban conversation um, is so key. And, and you did that right at the start because when I think about whether or not people in smaller towns or villages might be like, you know what, we need elevated walkways between where, you know? like um, it, it becomes quite clear that the conversations that we have about this need to be very, very specific. And I 100% agree that walkability should be a major should be a major push and I feel like a broken record saying this I'd like it to not bother being pretty frankly um I feel as if whenever we do these sorts of projects they come hand in hand with gentrification and billboards and people saying come take a walk be a tourist have instagram spots where you can lean against the river or whatever Okay, you can't leave. You get what I mean. Um, and I just don't understand why we can't just be functional. Let, let's get, let's have some functionality when it comes to our walkways and, and not necessarily for tourists, but for people who actually live and work in the city. And that functionality also uh, plays into how, yes, we may have nominal sidewalks and walkways, but they are not at all built to accommodate our weather, um, the the kind of rain we get or the kind of heat we have, uh, because it's really just there to tick a box or it's really just there to be a photo spot. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I agree with it being walkable um, as being a great goal, uh, but it also needs to be walkable while taking into account what, Malaysians have to contend with on a daily basis when it comes to our climate. Lope has, um, I think, an interesting and important philosophical point. Human lives are complex and multifaceted, but when we pair it with those touched by the government, it seems that the failure is in many, if not most, of these areas. And um, I really like that I that that comparison between hardware and software, and this idea of how what we need and how we use things complex, multifaceted. Those are great points, um, especially when you look at something that affects as many people and spills over as widely as transportation. And it is true when you pair it with like the blunt force approach of governmental solutions, it does tend to feel like something is lacking. And also, as we heard earlier from uh, our guest Azif, 
It also depends on the central philosophy of the, the government or the coalition in question, right? Whether How it is that they approach development, how it is that they approach policy, are they people-centric? All these things come up. Well, Amir says, public transport should and must be provided by the government. Previously, um, this was quashed by the implementation of Malaysia Inc. And then during Pemandu's era, the transformation of public transport was planned in Greater KL. Besides proposing the strategy for facing possible global recession, each party should present strategies to make public transport services A+. So, Amir, I guess... The parties might argue that's what the manifesto is doing, that it's presenting their strategy. But I think where yours offers a more specific way is how are we going to make our public transport in particular top quality? If I could bring it back to the question of the election, um, partly, uh, partly because... I know that this is not necessarily a political conversation. Transportation is is an important discussion to have regardless. But we are talking about it nine days before we head to the polls. And so we heard earlier from Simon, I believe it was, who said, no, (laughs) no other explanation, just no, it's not an issue that I care about. And so I guess my question, therefore, is... Clearly, people feel quite strongly about this. Um, But do we feel strongly about it in the abstract, in the sense that we accept it as part and parcel of the difficulty of living in Malaysia or as the some things aren't as great as other countries, transport is one of them, that's fine. Um, Or are we thinking about it as, you know what, I really want a government that is going to prioritise that. So that we go back to that central question, is it going to make an impact at the polls? And I think, again, I'm going to take the easy way out by saying um, I feel like it depends where, right? Which is what our guest earlier also said. Um, Asif said that it really depends which kinds of voters we're talking about and what's in it for them. Because the transportation conversation in KL is very different from the transportation conversation in Kuching. But even in in a state, in a state like Sarawak, it's very different in Kuching versus outside of Kuching, right? Um, so I think it, it is so nuanced and there needs to be a more comprehensive approach that's being pushed out. Squatting Sasquatch, meanwhile, says the whole LRT kerfuffle has not only caused the commuters problems, it's also contributed to additional vehicles on the road, which also squeezes road users to their core. Public transport in Malaysia has always been overlooked and under-maintained. I agree on a more comprehensive town planning, especially on identifying the prime location and accessibility to which full utilisation could be achieved, uh, which could then press on this idea of maintenance you know, and perspective being a priority. A more experienced town planner and risk assessment expert is needed as the next transport minister portfolio. I always love it when people suggest um, actual experts in the fields to take on the portfolios. We don't always have it. Sometimes we do. Um, But I mean, I would like to think, though, that a functioning government may not necessarily need the minister to have that expertise, but instead have people within his team who are experts. Uh, We do also have a caller on the line with us, um, whom we'll have shortly. Um, But in the meantime, we do have other messages, including this from Prakash, who says, been paying the same tax as everyone else. Can we have better public transport from Suramban to KL or PJ? Many Surambanites... Sorry, I haven't said the word Surambanites in a while. Many Surambanites work there. This is the first I've heard it. Yeah, I, I think perhaps me too. Anyway, and there is no direct transport. Can we have faster trains than commuter, um, like 45 minutes, for example, from Suramban to PJ? 
That's such a good point, Prakash. I mean, um, I, I think this is actually quite a norm for many Surumba nights. Um, and being able to hop on a 45-minute train ride to KL for work, um, I mean, I think that would help so many people who, what, spend a couple of hours every day just driving back and forth? Uh, we do also have uh, SK on the line with us. SK, good evening. What are your thoughts? Yes, I'm a frequent uh, public commuter user. I think uh, credit must be given. I think Kuala Lumpur, the public transport system over this number of years, especially late, uh, of late has improved a lot. And the uh, MRT is very well designed. Say, for instance, like the MRT station to Tama Maruri, you don't have to come out. You can connect yourself directly into the shopping centres. So these are the actually area of improvement uh, that we must, uh, when the credit is due, must be given. But I would like to comment on that, that perhaps the feeder bus should have a dedicated lane or our bus lane to have something like something like a BRT, bus rapid transit, uh, where, which is much cheaper that you take the bus, uh, it's in a jam-free corridor. So by taking public transport, uh, you reach your destination faster. And then you also can explore uh, with uh, electric bicycle. You know, it's just something like in China they are doing uh, to facilitate when you reach a destination to connect to your MRT station. So the other thing, the other thing I'd like to point out is also that the the power of planning local transport should be decentralized to local council so that they can build bus stop. You know, like you need to complement with the uh, MRT stations. Uh, and I, I think that some of the developers are now providing buses, say for instance, like Hapsing, providing buses connecting to their property, to the MRT. These are the things that maybe tax incentive or maybe the government should also look into, or whether new government, whatever, into giving tax incentive for companies that provide uh, bus fare or public transport fare to their staff. So these are the things, or even maybe contribution towards the the buses, tax incentives be given. And all this effort is integrated. I think we can have a very, uh, at least a better public transport system. That is my point of view. Thank you so so much for sharing. I'm so sorry to uh, cut you off, but unfortunately we do have to head to the news. But I think uh, I'd like to pick up that conversation about buses um, after this and how it is we can integrate that. In the meantime, keep those thoughts coming. You can call us, send us a voice note or WhatsApp, as well as tweet us. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You are listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And before we are joined by our next guest to continue the conversation about basically the ways in which not having good public transportation has affected our ability to get around, but also in some ways our mindset, um, we are asking you whether this is an issue that you think is an an important one in the next general election. And... um, basically whether the recent LRT situation has affected that. You can call us, you can voice note or send us a WhatsApp. You can also tweet us. Um, now, I think that we've got some voice notes ready to go. Um, here is Saiful. In humble opinion, the major transport here in Kuala Lumpur or major city, yes, it's a big artery. When the shutdown, one system shutdown, will can create more congestion. But I'm just wondering, do any of the party, PH, BN or PN, looking at the transport for the rural area, the outskirt of Kuala Lumpur, outskirt of the city, on the small cities. And we need to look into that area also. 
for the tourist transport because I still remember living in kampung my bus last time was about every one hour sometimes every two hours because that will create the urbanization because people don't want to don't want to live in in kampung or in the village because there's hard work hard to get the to get a job in the nearby cities and we if we manage to settle that transportation in rural area or i think outskirts of kuala lumpur or outskirts of cities we can reduce the urbanization in this uh, urbanization in malaysia saiful thank you so much for that Ooh, so many good ideas all packed into one. Um, I think this idea of, firstly, in answer to your question, it doesn't seem as if there has been a specific focus on rural areas in the manifestos. In fact, um, I think what our guest earlier said was that the Pakatan Harapan Manifesto, while it was more comprehensive than the others, did also still focus very much on urban centres, the Klang Valley, and that's partly because of where they assume their base is. Um, so yeah, sadly, I, I don't think there's been enough of focus. But this point about being able to settle this issue of transportation and therefore reducing the burden of urbanization in the country, I think is a very good one. It's such a good one. And, you know, when you talk to people about not wanting to live within the urban sprawl, um, the other option, which is to live further out or even to go further out into less developed areas. And that's a life that many people actually talk about wanting. A big barrier is really how you get around, right? And and connectivity. And I really think that there's some great uh, great points to be made there. We also have another voice note uh, that has come in. Here is Azmin. We need, hi. So we need to also address the fact that there is there's a section of our community who for public transport to become convenient, it has to be right next to the doorstep. I mean, we've seen even people with cars, you know, they refuse to park in designated parking spaces just because it's really far from, you know, they need to walk a bit to get to their actual destination. So, so yeah, so, you know, we can perform all the public transport improvements as much as you want, but, you know, we still need to address the mentality. Azmin, thank you so much for that voice note. I think actually the best person to open this up to um, is our guest because joining us on the line now, we have Dr. Ahmad Farhan Mohamed Sadullah who is a Professor of Transport Engineering at University Science Malaysia. If you'd like to keep those thoughts coming though, we are asking you if transportation is a big deal to you in this GE. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, Dr. Fahan, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. So um, I wanted to start by getting your reaction to um, that voice note that I believe you could hear just now from Azmin about the issue of mentality and the idea that even if you built something, if it requires uh, 10 minutes of inconvenience or, or a change of routine from being able to just get out, get in your car and go, that people still won't take it. Um, what do you think? <laughs> yep, that's public attitude. Um, I think I think we need we need to have strategies and, and initiatives to also um, uh, advo- advocate good values among our people. Sometimes, you know, uh, I, I always say, uh, we when we say rakyat didahulukan, uh, I think it's also similar to a proverb that we we all know from young. Buat baik berpada-pada, buat jahat jangan sekali. <laughs> because because life has to have a check and balance, right? 
uh, in life for, for us to mature, for us to, to excel, there, there must always be a check and balance and, and we cannot always have uh, our way. So I think that that is also true with uh, mobility and public transport. It's true, you know, when when we when we keep uh, thinking about popularity, you know, this is a hot topic now lah because of election. But but I think it it does not do service to uh, uh, um, uh, regulating and disciplining people for positive attitude that will help uh, our transportation. Uh, or, or for that matter, any other things as well. You know, uh, we need that. So I agree. Uh, we need to we need to have ways to address that. So don't always say, uh, okay, you know, just just rakyat didahulukan. Or you know, I sound like a politician today. <laughs> <laughs> but but I agree. You know, we need we need to address it. And and that is our if we talk about uh, if we talk about road safety, that is also the issue. You know, if we talk about professionalism, that is also the issue. So I think, yeah, that's right. We have to do that as well. So we did have Saiful who um, sent in a voice note earlier as well. I'm not sure whether you caught the, all of it, uh, Prof, but he was talking the about rural how... One, is it? The rural ah, one. Yes, the rural yeah. um, transport and whether that would be one way to reduce the pace of urbanization. Yeah, okay. I, that's a good point, actually, because we are we are actually uh, um, uh, beginning to uh, feel the what they call the mega trends. Uh, if if you have been follow, I'm sure you have been following this. This has been around ten to fifteen years, and now we are feeling it. And the, the mega trends are of course climate change. You know, every I, I I'm sure you are anxious there in the studio. Uh, uh, water is rising around you. It seems. Um, and uh, uh, so climate change is definitely here. We we have just passed COVID. That was also a mega trend. And the other mega trends are actually rapid urbanization. Uh, and that is true. And, and, and we are actually also pro- promoting uh, either positive or negatively. We are, we are actually developing and making uh, more rapid urbanization uh, by design, perhaps, in our country. So uh, there's so much that the urban, uh, there's so much that they think, you know, uh, what or how the urban can take, you know, in terms of mobility needs, in terms of waste management, in terms of residential. So it's true. It, if if we are able to uh, 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 undo that uh, through uh, perhaps uh, uh, not not focusing, not concentrating too much. Uh, on a, a residential in urban area is a welcoming point, but uh, it has to come with the policy of providing accessibility to all. That is key, you know, because now uh, accessibility is actually uh, associated to uh, costs and revenue. So you have a profit uh, uh, routes and a non-profit routes. So in Malaysia, uh, the non-profit routes are not even run because the business model is actually based on uh, profit and loss. So, so that is a big question that we need perhaps to discuss uh, because uh, uh, we need to change that model. Uh, the government then has to come in uh, to actually allow uh, everybody to have access. Uh, and, and that is part of SDG, to allow access to travel regardless of whether one has a private transport or not. So so I agree to that point as well. 
There is um, a mega trend of its own emerging in our messages. And that is the fact that people hate driving. So um, a lot of complaints saying I could run faster than I can drive home sometimes. Um, you know, I just hate being a zombie sitting in my car. And um, I mean, I, I would love to ask the people who sent in those messages um, as well as you, Dr. Fahan, basically... People hate driving or people don't like the experience of driving um, in, in terrible traffic and all the rest of it. But does that automatically then equate to those same people saying, yeah, public transport, I would definitely do it? Because it seems to me that we, we have people who say, I don't like driving, but public transport is also not a viable option. And I'm not sure whether even if our public transport were to incrementally become better, um, that we would see that kind of shift and uptake. Okay, um, I, I will introduce, I think I have not introduced this in our previous conversation, um, the concept of generalized cost of travel. Okay, um, We need to, at the moment, we are just comparing cost to cost Okay, um, and time, uh, perhaps. But, but if we were to look into the, the, the entire travel attributes, okay? uh, we, we have a term in, in transport economy called generalized cost of travel. Where not only we 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 measure time and also uh, money or cost, we also measure uh, reliability, okay, comfort, safety, uh, privacy, okay. So we can actually use that as a strategy on how to uh, attract private car users who are beginning to hate driving to uh, public transport, and. And, and that is where a rail infrastructure has an edge over only buses. Okay, because um, buses are still subject to congestion. Rail are not, are not supposed to. Okay, they are supposed to be reliable. I know that is your next question, guys. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but uh, by design, and, and in fact, if we are taking care of it, it should be more reliable. So, in that manner, it is going to be a better option for users to a point where you are able to attract them to transfer mode. Okay, so that is the strategy. In fact, we have been saying this for many years and uh, in the NKRA lab, if you remember 2009, I think, uh, th this was already decided because we knew that this has, in order for us to curb the over-dependence of our uh, uh, community for towards cars, we need to have an alternative. And at that time, the public transport was even worse. Okay? We did not have enough infrastructure. The supply side was very poor. So at that time, the, the, the strategy was we need, to, we need to equip the supply side. And voila, within 15 years, we have a very extensive public transport network, work, uh, net, net, network which, is, which is wonderful. But now it is about its operation to be able to tackle the people who are who are now you know uh, 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 not preferring to drive, of course within that fifteen years the traffic has also grown. We have, we have also not helped by building too many roads, so so it induces more demand towards private vehicle. Of course, motorcycle is also something that that we that no we know is also disturbing the 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 balance. So, so things are getting more complex, but at least in Kuala Lumpur, we have that rail infrastructure, which uh, we still have a lot of work to do to make it come to a level of reliability 
so that people like us perhaps or, or the middle income and and higher would want to do it like the western and european and the you know the the high economy uh, countries so that that is a strategy that we cannot uh, we cannot give up on okay uh, but it's again the problem we are talking about is in kuala lumpur what about other cities we have yet to start in other cities so so there's a long way more sessions of debate and and of course we we hope the government will also think i i i sempat lah dengar your you know you you were you were asking about manifestos and so on so so i think uh, that that is also a reflection of how the political parties look uh, the, into the future of mobility in the country We're speaking today with Dr. Ahmad Farhan Mohamad Sadullah, Professor of Transport Engineering at USM. We're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Farhan after this. Uh, keep those thoughts coming though if you have questions or um, if you'd like to weigh in on how important transportation issues are to you in the next GE. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Best flipping moments. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is seven twenty three. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila, as well as our guest, Dr. Ahmad Farhan Mohamad Sadullah, Professor of Transport Engineering at University Science Malaysia. So um, we've been talking a lot about, you know, of course, transportation, particularly in the light of um, the manifestos, and we're going to ask you about that. Before that, though, of course, there has been. Just a massive recent news story about the LRT. Um, so, what are your views on the way the current LRT shutdown is being handled? Okay, uh, uh, interestingly, I, I was a victim also last yesterday. I was in KL yesterday, <laughs> uh, so I, I couldn't go to where I wanted to go. So, and there was no taxi, so I had to uh, get a lift. Okay, but um, yeah, it, it is it is rather unfortunate, of course. But I think I think. Uh, many many things have been said uh, about it. Maybe we should look at it from a different angle. Okay, uh, it's definitely uh, a disappointment because it it disturbs uh, reliability. It it actually brings down the level of trust uh, uh, public transport users have to the system. Uh, but I think uh, what what can we learn from it is a is a you know is a better way to 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 move forward. I think uh, for one, uh, I know many people may not like this, but this is actually teaching commuters to be more resilient and agile. Okay, because there are there are many more things to come. Uh, uh, if we bring the concept of VUCA, vulnerable, uncertain, complex, and ambiguity, which 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 also sort of correlates with uh, with uh, the mega trends. Uh, I think we we need to be we need to prepare our our citizen for uh, uh, this this situation. No no doubt we do not, do not want to welcome it uh, often, but when this happens, the community need to be more resilient. For example, find alternatives. Okay, uh, okay. We know uh, the the authorities uh, have helped by by providing uh, uh, complementary and support buses and so on, but it will never meet the the same demand. Uh, because rail has a better throughput and and so on, but uh, uh, what about uh, invoking a work from home protocol? You know, when this happens, uh, companies and and whatever they should invoke immediately. Don't don't waste your time uh, going into work the next day. Uh, yesterday, I mean, okay lah. On on uh, on Tuesday, everybody was caught, 
by Wednesday, we should, we were supposed to be better prepared. And if 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 we were, you know, if you have been traveling, for example, in Europe, in UK, since pandemic ends, uh, this has happened so many times. And they are not, uh, maybe they are due to strike and industrial action. Uh, they are also due to weather, but their system do shut down. You know, so I'm not, I'm not condoning the shutdown, but I think it is an opportunity for our community to to be more resilient. So I think, uh, uh, no doubt, first day we bombard Prasarana and those who are in charge. But I think we we need also to start looking at uh, alternatives, uh, and we need to build alternatives. Okay, so 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 there there is that part uh, that the commuters need to do, but there is also the part that, of course, Prasarana as as the operator. Uh, must also do, and and I'm sure I'm sure they 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 would have to inc- improve their risk management uh, schemes, right? Uh, 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 how how and and government government has a role, you know, because this this if we were to look into this issue, uh, we know that the infrastructure infrastructure is old. Another mega trend, right? This is a real example of an aging infrastructure. An operation of LRT that goes automatically that has run for what over 20 years and now the system has expanded. What has the government do done for the many years in terms of upgrading? So we need to ask that question as well. When was the last uh when was the last time there was an allocation in the budget or in RM R Rancangan Malaysia? Uh, a, a large sum to upgrade the LRT system that has been plying our our routes since last century. I can't remember, but I, I'm I'm to be corrected. So I think this this is another dimension that we need to you know I mean stop stop just being blaming everybody I, I know now is the time for that, but but as a professional, I think we should also look into this. I was also discussing yesterday uh, about this because uh, being a victim, you know, ideas comes out a lot. I think it has also something uh, to do about the financial model. Okay, if we were to uh, maybe I I I was also not uh, uh, not having too much information about the original LRT system back then, but if we were to look into the current MRT system, we look at the business model. Right, it is being constructed by MRT Corp. Corp. Right. And uh, MRT Corp will will construct and then deliver and pass it to Prasarana. Prasarana is an operator. So what happens when the system uh, uh, gets older in 10 years from now? Who is going to invest? Are you expecting Prasarana to invest? I would expect the government because, of course, uh, MRT Corp is already done with the job. They are doing other jobs. But who is going to actually... Uh, you know, uh, uh, maintain, uh, not, not maintain, but overhaul the system after it has gone through certain, certain. I, I don't think we have given enough thought about it, you know. Unlike road concessionaires, uh, that's a bit different. Road is a BOT, is a bill operate transfer. So you see that PLUS, for example, as a concession for our North South Expressway, has been actually, they built many years ago, but then they continue to have a business model that allowed them to maintain. Uh, no doubt they are not doing a gold standard job, but at least they are able to manage. And 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 Prasarana is also pleading because uh, it, 
we know that public transport business is is not lucrative. So I I I share my my you know my 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 uh, um I, you know I I can share the 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 issues that Prasarana have because they are only an operator. So so these are the questions that maybe we can we can discuss because it has to do with the business model, and we are still building MRT three LRT three and now our ECRL and they are all following the same business model. So so a lot to discuss on this. <laughs> so I, I look at uh, uh, you know enough of bashing. Let's see how we can we can mold the community and how can we can come up with new uh, effective models which which has worked for the government and the country, but it it requires tweaking. It requires some uh, modification for the future. And that's something that we'll have to explore with you another time, Dr. Fahad, because we are out of time today. But thank you so much for speaking with us today. All right. Happy election. (laughs) And to you. Uh, That was Dr. Ahmad Farhan Mohamad Sadula, Professor of Transport Engineering at University Science Malaysia. This has been Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.